yeah. Smith's the encore. Fantasy, sports, and politics. Crew, yeah. Check. Fantasy, sports, and politics. Ain't no other talk show hot as this. Cover every sport and we get it all right. Log on the site, you can listen tonight. Talk about the game, who in first place. You can even call up, state your own case. Football, b-ball, soccer too. Log on, ain't nobody stopping you. It's fantasy, sports, and politics. Crew, yeah, come on. Fantasy, sports, and politics. Crew, yeah. Fantasy, sports, and politics. Crew. Everyone and welcome once again. I'm back. Or we're back, I should say. I am JT, aka the Master. And as always, this time of night on a Thursday is the FSP Crew Show. The number to call on is three four seven six three seven three two two zero. I'll say that again: is three four seven six three seven three two two zero is the place to be if you want to talk to JT and my co-host Jeff the Joker, two guys from Jersey. Hanging out, talking football, talking all kinds of sports, really. Whatever it uh, the uh, past week has to um, uh, um, news and notes on the you know, football. We're going to talk about some uh, UFC. Uh, uh, down goes the champion. Uh, we're going to talk about some MLB, some Major League Baseball. They're handing out they handed out awards. Um, talk a little talk a little bit about that. Talk about quite naturally um, the football game that's going on and some other things that are going on in football. Um, like I said, the, the number to call in is three four seven six three seven three two two zero. And if you want to join us in the chat, you can do that. Sitting out there, ask a question, make a statement or a comment. You can do that also in the chat room. It's out there, sitting just for you. All right, let's get to it. Um, let's bring in my esteemed co-host, like I said, um, fellow Jersey guy. He's from North Jersey. I'm from the middle part of the state. Um, Triple J, Jeff the Joker, and Jay, Jerry. Okay, hello, whatever. Hello, Jeff. How you doing, man? Hey, Jerry. What's going on? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Um, uh, God, let's talk about let let's talk about this first, Jeff. Let's talk about uh, a, a former Jet coach going to the Buffalo Bills, and you know, some some people just can't, they, they just they just don't change, uh, they always stay the same, and, and it seems like uh, regardless of where he may hang his hat as a head coach, whether it's with the uh, New York Football Jets or going upstate to the Buffalo Bills, Rex Ryan always seems to. Be in the uh, media limelight, I should say, um, and uh, it, it hasn't been anything different since he's been up in Buffalo. And the latest thing is saying that he's he's not obsessed with the Patriots. I'm gonna read you an article. Uh, uh, um, not that long. It's a pretty short article, um, and then we'll talk about Mr. Rex Ryan and how he's obsessed with uh, one coach and one team. Um, uh, this came from Mike Florio um, around 4 o'clock this afternoon and uh, saying that Rex Ryan says he's not obsessed with the Patriots. 
Um, perhaps the best evidence is the true upset obsession comes from the failure of the person who has the obsession to admit it. Exhibit A, Bill's coach Rex Ryan, who claims that he isn't obsessed with the New England Patriots. This is a quote from Rex. I know you guys always say that I'm obsessed with them and all that. Um, you are the you are you guys are obsessed with them, not me. I want to beat the uh, Patriots, but you guys are the ones who talk about them every single day. Um, R- Ryan also seems to be obsessed with the fact that the reporters who cover the Patriots don't seem to think the Bills are very good. Another quote from Rex. I don't know, Ryan said in response to the question why he's mad at the New England reporters. I just like the way you guys spin everything. You put everything, I say, you take whatever it is. Hey, you guys put it out there the way you want to, and I understand it. You guys have covered this matchup for years and years. We've got no business being on the same field. That's what you said. We've lost seven of eight. I've lost seven of eight against them. So don't talk to me. I'm sitting back here. I'll answer the question. Whatever, but I don't know why you even bother. Ryan was otherwise snippy with the New England media, getting short, non-informative responses to questions like the improvement he has seen in his quarterback, Tyra Taylor. You guys are the experts. You'll figure it out. I knew he threw three interceptions last time we played them, so so we'll see. You guys will pick out the positives to whether his redemption arises from good decision-making you guys need to do a little bit more of your homework to find out. I'm not going to answer your question. I think it's pretty obvious the guy's been pretty decent. But you guys will figure it out. Bottom line, Ryan is obsessed with the Patriots, as he should be, but he probably shouldn't extend that attitude to the folks who cover the Patriots. Um, and there was another article I read that uh, um, he, Rex Ryan is taking this uh, Patriot thing personal. Um What's your thoughts there, Jeff? Yeah, you know, I mean, Rick seems like a good guy, but his act is getting old. And, you know, last week the big thing was him making uh, IK uh, captain, which actually, you know, a lot of coaches do that. You know, if a guy's playing a former team or he's in mm-hmm. playing his hometown or near where he went to school, they'll make him a captain. But – you know, maybe a classier guy would have quietly not made him a captain, you know, just to avoid that. And, you know, I mean, I'll tell you, and it's funny because I remember when they replaced Rex with Todd Bowles, which I I think Rex got a raw deal because that team last year in New York did not have sufficient talent. So uh, it, I don't hold that against Rex because it, it, they just didn't have the guys uh, at a lot of important positions. And then he leaves, and then boom, then the Jets owner is spending money like that movie uh, Brewster's Millions. It was nuts. So, uh, <laughs> the, right, right, right? Remember that? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, uh, believe me, if I was in Rex's shoes, Rex's shoes, I would have been pissed off about that. And now the thing is, usually with coaches, and when they get rid of a guy, they bring in someone who's opposite. Like usually if it's a defensive-minded coach, they bring in to replace him an offensive-minded coach. So they replaced Rex with a defensive-minded coach, which some people didn't get. But the difference is, you know, Rex is, you know, considered, quote, a player's coach and maybe sometimes looks like a buffoon. And Todd Bowles is, you know, more non no nonsense, but, but a class act. And, uh, you know, 
Uh, believe me, I'm me and my buddy. We were talking about what Todd Bowles should have done because that IK and Polly. I'm sorry, I can't remember his last name. The guy who uh, slugged uh, Geno Smith in the jaw. Sure. That guy's nuts. I right. mean, that's his third uh, violent issue that I know of because he got catfished and, and slugged the transformer. It's not funny. But, I mean, he's stupider than Manti Teo. And then he also once <laughs> slugged an off-duty cop. Right. It, they should have made the like the Jets, if they really wanted to be low-class and tacky, they could have had RuPaul singing the national anthem and then brought in the Transformer who catfished him as an honorary captain for the coin toss. And that had to have been the most watched coin toss in recent history because the NFL stopped showing it years ago so they could save money you know, so they can get a couple more commercials because they don't even show the coin toss anymore, you know? Right, um, right. Ridiculous. And that was a stupid a colorblind game, and now we got another colorblind game. Because I'm not colorblind, but a lot of people are, and, uh, you know, the geniuses at the NFL couldn't figure that out, that it's not good to have a team in all red playing a team in all green, you know? Uh, it's just a classic example of people making a lot of money just out of touch with reality. I, I, I swear, I realize that. Right off the bat, I didn't realize. Only didn't realize. I knew some people were colorblind because actually I know two guys I grew up with are colorblind. Um, but uh, I didn't realize percentage-wise how many. So, uh, uh, of course, you know these richies—they're out of touch. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. Now we uh, um, also had a issue with the. Um, in the NFL with um what am I talking about here? With uh um Cam Newton. I don't know if you know about this. Um uh, a uh, Nashville mom was offended by Cam Newton's uh, dance on Sunday. Um and quite naturally the uh, um the same team that's playing t- today, uh the Tennessee Titans, a uh one of the players was offended by it, but Rosemary Plurin attended the game with her daughter, and uh, she wrote Newton a letter expressing her feelings about his touchdown celebration, calling the dab, and shared it with the uh, Charlotte Observer on Tuesday. Um, uh, Newton said on Wednesday he uh, uh, he would apologize if, if Plurin if she was offended. Um, I guess he didn't. She she had a. Uh, um, um, supposedly, uh, the mother said it uh, offended her nine-year-old daughter with his dancing in, in the Sunday's win over the t- Titans. And uh, um, Newton, let me put it this way. This is what she said in the paper. I watched a video of Cam Newton responding to media questions about my letter to him earlier this week. I really appreciate his comments and his respect for my thoughts, and I was impressed with the sensitivity and graciousness for which he spoke. I'm sorry I didn't understand him better until this week. It is clear from his remarks that he recognizes his leadership role both on and off the field and that he truly cares about the kids watching him. I respect his comments just as much as he did mine, and I wish him nothing but continued success on the field and in life. Uh, Newton said after the game he wasn't showing disrespect to the Titans with his dance. He said on Tuesday that dancing and celebrating touchdowns takes me to a happy place. I remember when I was in high school, I used to look up to guys and mimic them. Now they're doing now they're doing the things I do. People are looking at you whether you want them or not. When I see people do the celebration I do, it makes me happy. 
Uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, like I said, the, the mom was was, was with at, at the game with her daughter and was offended by um, Cam Newton um, doing some of his celebrating uh, and, and and his, and his touchdowns—I should say his touchdown celebration. Um, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I heard about. I didn't actually see the dance. As long as he's not like grabbing his crotch or anything. What's the big deal? What do they want it to be like baseball, where if you flip your bat, everybody wets their pants? And believe me, <laughs> I, I, I'm not for excessive celebration, but I'm not. I'm also against overreaction to any right. celebration. And right. the classic example is Barry Sanders, right? Barry Sanders. Yep. You know, it's funny because he didn't have to celebrate because the way he played was so flashy. He didn't have to put any icing on the cake. You know exactly. What I'm Exactly. I can't think of too many other successful, very successful Hall, Hall of Fame NFL running backs who weren't straight-ahead runners. It's usually that style isn't successful in the NFL. I mean, right. trying to tackle him was like chasing after a chicken or something. And, yep. you know, and the classic example is, and it's totally true and accurate, and they asked Sanders about it once. It's on YouTube. It's so funny. They asked him how come he didn't dance after touchdowns. He said, I got no rhythm, you know. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but it's a good answer, you know. Um, whatever. It's not him, you know. It didn't fit his personality and whatever. And, you know, so he's very well known, you know, scoring touchdown, handing the ball to the ref. And, but you know what else I liked about Barry? And to me, this was just as important. And one of his contemporaries, I think they were actually in the same draft, Deion Sanders, who was mm-hmm. known for his celebrations, I never heard or saw Barry Sanders once get ticked off about Dion. Not once. You know what I'm saying? Because yep, yep, yep. these baseball players, they're like little girls. They're always worried, oh, this guy flipped the bat. Oh, let's carry on about it all day. You know? I, I No, grow up. Shut up and play the game. You want to play it like Dion, like Prime, that's cool. You want to play it like Barry, that's even better. But don't be a girl. Don't don't be a little brat about it. Just shut up and play the game. That's what I'm about, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and baseball now, they, it's like, I understand it's a team game, but these idiots are taking it to the extreme. They want to make it into a communist game. You know what I'm saying? Like, no flavor <laughs> whatsoever, you yeah. know? Pretty soon yep. they'll be making these guys, like, no number on the uniform. Just, just, you're just a piece of meat. You're nothing. You, you got no individuality. You know, flip a bat, whoop de do. You know, it, it, like flip a bat, like uh, winning uh, a championship, you flip a bat, and these girls are still crying about it. I hate it. I can't stand it. Um, and, and But then these, these same baseball morons are like win a division, which is nothing, and then have this massive group celebration. Why don't you have a one squat? Just won the division. What they do? You know, win a World Series or something, and then, then have a big pile that Dummies, you know, I can't can't stand it. <laughs> well, speaking of um, uh, uh, pelvic thrusts or crotch or, or something that's, um, um, I would I wouldn't say indecent, but it's not the most uh, 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 it's not the most it's not something you you would want to see on TV or see a player do. Um, at the at Seahawks Stadium, at the uh, uh, when the um, when the um, Arizona Cardinals defeated the Seattle Seahawks, 
And I'm surprised because he's 30-something years old, and I would never thought that he would do this. <laughs> you never I, too old to be immature, Jerry. You should know he, that. <laughs> yes, you're right. Um, but Carson Palmer uh, uh, directed a pelvic thrust uh, toward the Seahawks crowd in a 39-32 victory on Sunday night. Now, Palmer told ESPN it was a gesture directed at three of his friends who were sitting in the stands behind the Cardinals bench. Palmer identified his friends as Pup, Phil, and Sugarcane. The gesture was caught by the cameras during NBC's broadcast of the game, and quite naturally, it has gone viral. After the win, Palmer discussed his celebration, which includes a fist pump and a pelvic thrust, in relation to Drew Stanton's running, jumping, kicking, and punching celebration after Andre Ellington's 48-yard touchdown run sealed the victory. Uh, this is a quote from Palmer. I had my buddies in the sideline, right four or five rows up. I saw them pretty excited, and that got me excited to see them excited. Palmer could be fined for violating Rule 12, Section 3, Article 1C of the NFL rule books, which states there shall be no unsportsmanlike conduct. This applies to any act which is contrary to the general understood principles of sportsmanship. Such acts specifically include, among others, the use of baiting, uh, baiting or taunting acts or words that engender ill will between teams. Additionally, note four of the rule states a violation of C, uh, which is the Article 1C, uh, will be penalized if any of the acts occur anywhere on the field. These acts include but are not limited to throat slash, machine gun salute, sexually suggestive gestures, prolonged gyrations, or stomping on a team logo. Palmer could be fined either 11576 for unsportsmanlike conduct or $8,681 for taunting, according to the NFL fine schedule. The last thing, and this is a quote, the last thing Carson Palmer would ever do was taunt an imposing fan, Carson's brother Jordan told ESPN. It's a joke. Your thoughts, Jeff? Uh, his brother and former backup. Uh, yes. You know, that that's one of the nice perks of stardom. The, they'll let you hire your uh, brother as your uh, as one of your backups. You mm -hmm. know, it, it's, not, it's a non-story. And you know what? If they find Palmer uh, $11,000, he could probably find that in his couch cushions. That guy <laughs> made a lot of money. You yeah. think? Because, you know, his first contract with the Bengals was for like $50 million. Yep. You know? It's like, you know, oh, yeah, eleven grand. Yeah, see my agent, whatever. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know what? He might be telling the truth. You know, uh, you know, he, he probably is, you know, I, I, you know, I, I like to see class. I like to see sportsmanship, but I don't want to see overreaction, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. I'll tell you, though, these guys got to know. They got cameras everywhere. You can't get away with anything. And I remember nope. there was a guy who unjustly got raked over the coals a few years back, Derek Anderson, when the Cardinals were struggling at quarterback. He was, you know, one of the guys who was struggling. They're getting shellacked, and – you know, he smiles for two seconds. They take that out of contact. They make it look like he's yucking it up during the whole game, you know. Yep, and, yep. And, and, and he got real defensive about it. I don't blame him, you know. And, you know, they got these, you know, these cameras everywhere, you know. And, and literally, 
they could take that out of context and make you look like a jerk, you know. And most of these guys, another guy, a veteran guy, acting like an idiot, Andy Dalton, think all these criticism got to him, but he messed up because he made a reply to a very mild remark by J.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. And now, now this that's a mild remark. And believe me, the stuff guys say to each other when they're playing is nothing. So now that 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 fool uh, uh, Dalton is going to be uh, he'll be playing guys across the the line. He'll be screaming a uh, BB gun at him or whatever, mm-hmm. and he'll he's, you know he'll go mental. And uh, you know uh, he's been. I can't take away from the fact he's having an excellent year, but his downfall has historically been two things, divisional games, which are huge, and primetime games, and that's how fans all over the country get to see you. And he looked pathetic against Houston. They got his number, and they got another primetime game against uh, a tough Arizona defense on Sunday night. So, uh, yeah, might be uh, the red BB gun. He recanted it, but then it's like, you know what? You said it. You were stupid, whatever. You know, just, just move on. Red Rider BB gun. What can I tell you? And, and you know, uh, when I when I heard the after after game remarks, I'm saying, come on, man, you're you're twenty something or twenty uh, something years old, and you you're worried about somebody saying something so um, um, minuscule as that. Um, your feelings are that sensitive that you got to worry about. Um, that and, and and think less of a person, or supposedly think less of the person, because he says something that mo- so minor. Come on, uh, you know, uh, some of these guys uh, uh, think that I can't say they think they're above criticism, but um, uh, uh, just like you said, some some baseball players. Um, are, are, are uh, less than um, manly, I should say. Uh, some 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 uh, um, football players, I feel, and I have to put Andy Dalton into one of them now because of what he 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 had a had his uh, panties up in a raw because of what J.J. Watt said. So, um, unbelievable. All right, now speaking of having um, uh, um, panties up in a raw. Um, I got another one here for you from uh, uh, um, an all-pro tight end, tight end who's who's um, um, they say is unstoppable, and I have to believe it because I haven't seen anybody really stop stop him um, from uh, doing whatever he wants on the football field. I'm talking about Gronk, um, and uh, uh, um, his uh, rash of um, OPIs which is offensive pass interference uh, uh, flags, for those who don't know. Uh, New England uh, Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski have been penalized four times for offensive pass interference this season, which leads the NFL. I didn't know that. That's four more than he thinks he deserved. I'm not doing anything. This is a quote from Gronkowski. He said Thursday when asked what he can do differently to prevent OPI calls. I'm playing football. I'm not changing my style. Gronkowski picked up his fourth OPI call of the year in Sunday's victory over the New York Giants as his 20-yard reception in the second quarter was negated for pushing off cornerback Trevin Wade. In an October 29th win over the Dolphins, Gronkowski was penalized for the same infraction, taking away a touchdown pass to receiver Julian Edelman. 
He also had two OPI calls in September 27 win over Jacksonville, racing a 13-yard completion to receiver Danny Amendola and a five-yard completion to running back James White. In 2014, Gronkowski was penalized for OPI twice over the course of the entire season. Chicago Bears tight end Martellus Bennett and Jaguars uh, receiver Cecil Shorts led the NFL with four OPI penalties apiece last season, according to ESPN stats and information. So Gronkowski has already matched their total in nine games. There have been 81 OPI calls through the week 10 of the 2015 season. Last year, according to ESPN stats and information, there were 75 OPI calls through week 10. Asked whether he feels there has been a target on him this season, Gronk said, I'm not sure what it is. I'm just going to keep playing how I've been playing, how I got out and practiced and try and transition it to the games. It's been going on all year. Gronkowski said he sometimes asks an official what led to the call because it's helpful to hear an explanation. As for his frustration level with the calls, he said, we're playing well as an offense. It's not that frustrating when I get the penalty and someone else makes a play on third and long. That definitely helps out there, but just to, but got to just keep playing the game. Now I didn't know he had uh, four OPIs, uh, I, and, and I gather that's well, it, is, it, it leads the NFL. And um, I, I, I didn't realize. Well, I, I shouldn't say I didn't realize. I never kept track of uh, um, offensive OPIs on how many uh, each each player on the offense accumulated, but. He's got the most out of all the players, offensive players um, that played this uh, this year so far. So I guess it's an issue. But uh, as big as he is, Jeff, I'm surprised that he's got that amount of OPIs um, because his in um, his uh, intimidating uh, presence on the field and, and his physicality uh, in being able to handle whoever covers him. Uh, I would think that uh, he wouldn't need to uh, resort well, to uh, of offensive pass interference because he's got the speed and the um, uh, makeup to uh, overpower most defenders. Talk to me. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it might have something to do with the fact. I mean, yeah, he is huge and a, and a great athlete, you know, a big matchup problem. But, you know, he gets a lot of attention, so usually – you know, you got the linebacker trying to hold him up at the line, and then he's got a safety right behind him, so he gets a lot of attention. And if he's getting doubled, maybe if he's getting a linebacker and a safety at the same time, that that's maybe a you know uh, good good uh, excuse for him to try to push off. I'm thinking, I'm just glad the officiating in the NFL is more consistent than in the NBA, where you know the superstars don't get uh, you know a lot of penalties. Because can you imagine a guy like Gronk getting superstar status? You know, he'd be getting 200 yards a game. He'd be throwing guys around like rag dolls. You know, <laughs> and yeah. I, 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 you don't see that much in the NFL. A few people think star quarterbacks get preferred treatment. I think all quarterbacks do. But I mean, NBA. This goes back to when Jordan was playing. Jordan didn't have to dribble. He could just start running with the ball around half court <laughs> and take off for the basket. Yeah, I mean, you're right crazy. about that. Yeah. yeah. And he could plow into dudes, too. And the yeah. thing is, and you know, the NBA, like most things, it's, it's a business. It's all about the money. They don't right. want 
the star player who people are paying to see to foul out. So, you know, you know, Michael could have shanked the guy and not get, you know, uh, <laughs> get the personal for that. Well, let me let me ask you something, Jeff. Since you brought that subject out, I mean, we know, I know we're talking about uh, football, but this this encompasses all sports. The question I'm going to ask you: Out of all the sports um, and all the stars and whatever sport they are, uh, they are, are, are um, a star in. Uh, what sport do you think? And it's just probably a a, uh, a no brainer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What sport do you think favors their stars the most in the oh, major sports? Well, as far as officials go, it's the NBA. They're notorious for that. Okay. Uh, you think that's that's the one sport that favors their stars over the NFL, the oh, NHL, definitely. Major League Baseball? And, and, okay. I'm just I'm, – I, I figured yeah. that's what you were going to say, but I, I'm, yeah. I'm asking because um, uh, uh, depending on – in my opinion, depending on what sport, um, you can see – how uh, some stars get uh, favor- favorable calls, um, uh, quarterbacks, like star quarterbacks in football, uh, like star players in the NBA, like um, all-stars in baseball get favorable calls at the, at the plate. Um, that's, that, so that's what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I, I don't think – I mean, I think there's been accusations of baseball stars getting favorable calls, but the baseball umps – you know, the, each each one of those guys has his own personal strike zone. You know that 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 that's the problem with baseball. Um, right. That these refs, they think people are paying money to see these guys. They're crazy. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's get back to football. All right, we've seen a uh, unprecedented since uh, he's been the starting quarterback uh, of the Green Bay Packers. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers on a three game losing streak. They lose to uh, Denver, where Aaron Rodgers didn't even throw for 100 yards. They lose to Carolina. And then they come back home where they were 4-0. They hadn't lost to the Detroit Lions since the 1990s. I think that's 23 games or whatever it was. uh, 23-game home winning streak against the Detroit Lions. And they wind up losing to the Detroit Lions. um, And on all three games, the the uh, um, the uh, 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 um, Green Bay Packers were struggling, albeit the two first two t- teams I talked about, the Carolina Panthers and Denver, ha- have an outstanding defense. But th- the exact opposite is of the uh, Detroit Lions and the uh, um, Green Bay Packers offense struggled. Uh, to to get to 16 points, um, I mean it was it seemed like uh, uh, they had a lot of dysfunction going on at offense, and Aaron Rodgers really was holding on the ball too long. He took a beating, that's why he he's got a a bum shoulder right now, a sore or whatever, because uh, he was holding on the ball too long trying to find uh, open receivers which weren't. Uh, Devontae Adams got targeted what 20 something t- 20 something times, and only was able to get 79 yards. Uh, there's a lot of dysfunction in that um, Green Bay offense right now. What's your thoughts going forward? Aaron Rodgers and what? the Green Bay Packers, are they still contenders? Uh, oh, yeah. To- but but they got a big game this week against Minnesota. That that That's looking to be a big game. But the thing is, as great as these offenses are, 
You know, these defenses, uh, they, they study the films, and there's some great athletes on defense. And uh, look at this year. Uh, you know, I thought it would be a big bounce back for the Saints offense. It's been a bounce back, but not as big as I thought. And, uh, and look, it finally looks like it's the end of the Peyton Manning era in uh, Denver. Uh, I mean, it's still a very high-scoring game. It's a high-scoring league at this point. But, uh, you know, uh, even something as prolific as Green Bay offense, you know, it, I don't know. I, I think they make somewhat of a comeback. But, you know, it hurts them not having a power-running game that they used to have with Eddie Lacy. Uh, he, uh, he misses Jordy Nelson. I mean, there's a lot of parity in the NFL. Like in uh, a lot of teams, you know, a star player gets hurt, you know, the team really suffers. The, the pack has been the past few years, pretty much as, as long as Aaron Rodgers has been quarterback, has been an excellent offense. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess, you know, they hit a pothole or two. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't give, on them, give up on them just yet, though. Well, they are. What's their record now? I think they're um, um, five and four, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around yeah, there. I thought they were six and three. Six and th- okay, six and three. Okay, six and three. Um, uh, the uh, uh, Vikings were seven and two, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. so yeah. So, so they're they're um, you're right. They're, that's a big going to be a big matchup. It's played in Minnesota. Uh, which is key. Minnesota's defense is, uh, I wouldn't say it's underrated, but it, it's a solid defense. Uh, Mike Zimmer is a defensive-minded coach, so he's got a solid defense sitting there. And he's got some weapons on the offensive side to give um, um, Green Bay some competition. I think the, the key, and, and it's been key for a lot of Green Bay victories, especially this season, is for Green Bay to get out to a lead uh, a substantial lead uh, so they can play their brand of football versus um, trying to come from behind and be uh, being a, a um, one-trick pony. Um, and, and supposedly, and it looks like, and from what I understand, that um, they miss Jordy Nelson more than um, I guess they're, they're putting on because uh, Randall Cobb is basically a slot receiver. He's not an outside receiver. Devontae Adams is a second-year um, receiver with growing pains. Ty Montgomery is a rookie. Uh, then you have uh, Jar- Jeff Janis and, and, and a, a host of uh, uh, JAGs um, um, back there. Uh, and uh, there may be trust issues uh, that uh, Aaron Rodgers has because he can't find anybody open. Uh, and uh, the uh, formula for stopping Green Bay may have been um, brought out by Denver. I guess the Denver really, uh, um, or, or Carolina, one or the other. Uh, Denver, because he held them, held them to 74 yards passing. Uh, so uh, since then, they haven't been able to generate any kind of substantial offense. Uh, consistent, I, sh- I should say, consistent offense, and uh, um, have been struggling the last three games. It's unprecedented. Um, they, uh, you, you thought uh, Aaron Rodgers was going to come back guns a blazing after the, that loss from Denver. It didn't happen. Uh, he, he lost again, and then he, that was unprecedented because they don't usually usually lose two games in a row, 
And then he wound up, like I said, in Detroit and lose the third game, which is really uh, a shocker. Um, and uh, I haven't heard him come out and say relax, Jeff. I have not heard him come out and say relax. See, that's what he's uh, got to do. That's what he should do because yeah. he turned it around last year. Yeah. So I haven't heard him say that. Uh, the press conferences I did I did uh, uh, see seemed like he had a little con- uh, uh, concern in his eyes, uh, and 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 uh, um, because of what's been going on for the last three games. Hopefully they can get it together. Uh, I think it's key that uh, they get a, a running game from someone. Uh, very disappointing that Eddie Lacy, uh, who in one league in fantasy I drafted number five in the first round. And oh, that's a killer, man. That's a killer. Yes, it was a killer, but luckily luckily, I was able to, to, to um, um, move around some players that I had, and, and uh, one of them I picked up James Starks, and then I also held on to um, the whole season, and it paid off, D'Angelo Williams, and I was able to do a couple trading, and I, I, I acquired – and this is, believe it or not, on the same team. Uh, I acquired uh, Todd Gurley, and I also acquired Adrian Peterson. Uh, I've, since, I've since traded Adrian Peterson, and I've gotten Aaron Rodgers in return for them. Now I'm trying to – now i got two quarterbacks. Uh, one I, one I, I touted early uh, in the summer, um, Carson Palmer, and I have Aaron Rodgers both on my team, uh, along with uh, uh, Todd Gurley. I don't have Adrian Peterson anymore, but I do have D'Angelo Williams, um, and I uh, have James Starks, and I'm and I'm um, I, I'm sitting pretty good right now. Um, but the the point I'm saying is this: that the Aaron Rodgers, uh, uh, um, I, I, I'm up in the air about him. I I, I really am. I, I'm I'm um, I'm on the edge because it, it I, I'm not sure if Aaron Rodgers. Is going to be Aaron Rodgers for the rest of the year, or are we going to see a um, less less effective Aaron Rodgers because of the um, I would say dysfunction, but the inability for him to uh, operate with the receivers that he has? Uh, I don't know what you're thinking about it, but that, but that know, bothers I mean, I me. I think it was I think it was last week or the week before where supposedly he screwed up, but he still put up good fantasy numbers. And that's what fantasy's about. It's not about winning and losing. It's about putting up the numbers. And he's still putting up the numbers, I think, pretty respectable. I'll tell you, last year uh, I, I took Lacey early, and by the end of the season he had good numbers. But yep. he got off to a slow start. And yep. you don't want that from a high pick. You want guys who who come out hot. You don't want slow starters as your RB1. And that was one of the reasons I avoided him this year. Um, and I'm lucky because I'm a couple guys I, I wasn't quite digging because I guess it was usually I'm, before I take a guy high, I want to see at least one complete season solid. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't, you don't want to base too much on the past, but you want to see a guy who can put together an entire season. You want you that That does it for me. And, uh, you know, two guys who didn't quite put together full seasons last year really disappointed. And that, that gruesome twosome is uh, uh, Jeremy Hill and uh, C.J. Anderson. And, and also with Anderson, I know uh, 
uh, I don't know. I had a feeling that offense that they there's a good chance they might be splitting carries. So, you know, about midway through the draft, I got Hillman, who's worked out pretty well. And, uh, you know, in those situations, I'd rather take the number two guy with the upside halfway through the draft than taking the questionable number one guy early, you know, and uh, that that's worked out because I don't have those guys in any of my teams and I've done okay. So, um, and uh, I did well with D'Angelo Williams on two teams. One team, I had Le'Veon Bell, but the one team I didn't, it just, he was the best available free agent running back. I pick him up, and then a week or two later, boom, you know, Bell gets hurt for the year, you know. So uh, that that's that's been working for me. And uh, my one league, there was just a flurry of trades, and I think it's because when this league expanded from 12 to 14 teams, I knew there would be slimmer pickings on waivers, but now it's the, the waiver pickings are so bad, you're more likely to do a trade because you're just not going to get relevant guys off of waivers, you know. So, but uh, And that's huge because uh, a lot of leagues already had their trade deadline, and if not, they're coming up soon. Uh, yeah, I think the, 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 the trade de- deadline comes up um, around Thanksgiving uh, from a lot of leagues. I know uh, the two leagues that I'm in, um, rather than the, I think the 27th, which is normally the the leagues, that's where the trade deadline is. Somewhere around that, uh, we I, uh, I'm commissioner one. I extended it a week to to uh, December 2nd, which is a, I think it's a week after the fact. Uh, somewhere around there, and uh, another league that I'm in is always also extended uh, to the, to the same day. So give somebody a chance. Um, it, an extra week if they somebody wants to try to make a trade before the last week of the uh, regular season, or well, during the last week of the regular season um, around there, that they, they can make a trade and, and uh, um, hopefully uh, it'll it'll benef- benefit them um, as they lead into the playoffs, fantasy playoffs. I'm, I'm talking about people. All right, um, the. Um, Major leagues, since you had talked about the major leagues, since you love the major leagues so much, <laughs> um, um, had their awards. And uh, um, I just saw that uh, um, the MVP was given to um, uh, Josh Don- Donaldson, who beat out um, uh, Mike Trout, which was a – I would say it's a surprise to me. The American League MVP with Josh Donaldson versus Mike Trout. Um, I, uh, I, it's not a real big surprise. I thought Mike Trout would have won it again, but uh, Donaldson had an unbelievable year. Um, who and he delivered big hit after big hit. Seemed like that he was like uh, never able to get out, and when he did hit the ball, it seemed like it left the, the ball field. Um, and then uh, the bad boy in the National League who got choked out near the end of the season because his, his, his relief pitcher didn't like the way he ran down first base. And the National League MVP is, is uh, and he happens to be the, the youngest, I think, MVP, uh, will be Bryce Harper. Your thoughts on uh, both those guys, uh, American League MVP Josh Donaldson and National League MVP uh, baby boy Bryce Harper. 
Yeah, you know, I, I don't watch a lot of baseball, and, and when I do watch it, I usually get ticked off. And you know, when I was a kid, <laughs> not only is did that I right? love baseball, is that right? Back then, when I was a kid, it was like almost every boy liked baseball. Almost, you know what I'm saying? Right. It was like, I know. Yep. It, it, almost. I mean, okay, there were a few exceptions, but like baseball was numero uno sport. It's like, oh, some some boys liked uh, football, some like basketball, maybe some hockey, but. It was like if you watched one sport, it was baseball. It's hard to imagine now because it's yep. not like that anymore. And the clowns who think they run baseball, they can't figure it out, you know, because n- nobody ever explained to these bozos what marketing is, you know. They, they don't yep. know what it means. They, they got no clue. Um, and, uh, you know, and a lot of these baseball fans, I think, are traditional type people. I don't have a problem with it, but I, I like to hold on traditions that work not just traditions for the sake of being tradition. And, you know, tradition started out at one time were new, and these people have very selective memories because they think the game is identical to years ago. No, the rules may not have changed much, but the way the game has played that has changed a lot. Right. And, like, they don't want somebody's changes to speed up the game. It's because they couldn't police it themselves. It's like... Because basically there were rules to speed up the game. They were just weren't being enforced, you know. Um, and that's one of my problems is the pace of the game. But, you know, you know what cracks me up? Because now this is one of these things. It's just the way the game is played, no matter how much I hate it, the way they baby the pitchers, five-man rotations, and the guys don't finish the games. And then, you know, you're bringing in a relief pitcher every five pitches, whatever. That's just the way they play the game now, right? I- I've accepted it, you know. And it'd be mm-hmm. hard for one team to change because that's not how the players are developed. That's not how the way they come up through the system, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it, but, you know, in the way these and, uh, commentators carry on and even the fans carry on, you know, oh, it, it, it's ridiculous. But they don't, they don't remember, and these people don't remember. Back in the day, teams, I, when I was a kid, teams would carry – as few as eight pitchers, it's it's hard to imagine. Usually they carry a, a, a little more, maybe nine or ten. So they had better depth, you know, in the outfield and the infield, which meant more pinch hitters, defensive substitution, pinch hitting. Where were these traditional people saying, I want pinch hitting back? You know what I mean? Where were these? They forget about that. You know, you don't see that anymore because now you got a three-man bench. You, you don't see as many managerial moves because they don't have the players to do it. The only thing they can do is just keep changing the pitchers, and pretty soon they're going to have to have a five-minute break in the middle of every inning so that the pitcher can change his tampon. It's, it's ridiculous, <laughs> you know. And then the, these commentators are the worst, and these guys are independent. But, you know, they just they belabor the point, and, I, you know, if, if a closer, heaven forbid, pitches the eighth and ninth, even if it's only a few pitches if he has a short inning. They carry on like they're going to rush him to ICU after the game. Give me a break. You know, these these guys are horrible. Make your point and let it lay, you know, and they're just a bunch of obnoxious know-it-alls uh, doing the commentary for the games. And just too much it is, you know, like they got this bum for the Yankees, Brian McCann, you know, the, the self-appointed protector of baseball's million unwritten rules. And I, I got no time for people like that. Just just shut up and play the game, you know. And I hate when these clowns run onto the field because, you know, we're, we're both guys. I know when a guy doesn't want to fight. You know what I'm saying? 
Right. right. <laughs> These cats exactly. don't want to fight. Yep. You know, they, they they could break a nail, lose an eyelash. You know, these are the guys. Oh, hold me back, hold me back. You know, like, <laughs> they don't want to fight. I'm not I'm not faulting them. Hey, I don't want to fight either, but I don't carry on like I'm going to. You know right. what I'm saying? Yep. Um, but like, oh, he flipped his back. Now we're gonna have the the dugout's empty, and this is the real joke. When you see the relief pitchers trotting in from the bullpen, yeah, like these guys are gonna do anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, give you me know, a break. You know, uh, and, and what a farce! What a farce baseball is. And, and I, then, I, I, I hate, I hate sports. You know, sports fights like. Any you know baseball, basketball, football. I hate it. You know, it just. I want to see a fight. I'll watch boxing or something. I just. I, I don't care for the fighting. It, it just doesn't appeal to me. And that's that's just as bad as you stare. You you stared at me too long. Oh, oh, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you were thinking about me. You remember when we were kids? Oh, you were looking at me. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, yeah. you know, some kid with, like, uh, blue and orange hair. I was like, hey, you were looking at me. What am I supposed to do, walk around looking at the floor? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, ridiculous. You, you stared at me too long. So you want to fight? Yeah. Uh, I mean, come on, man. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. And, and, and just like you said, uh, it, they don't want to fight. Uh, they don't. They oh, really they, don't they, want to fight. No way they want to fight. No yeah. way. Absolutely, it's such a crock. You know, some of these guys are big, but it doesn't matter. You know, uh, you know, they, 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 they. I know they don't want to fight. So, so right. they, they shouldn't want to fight. But don't act like you do. You know, yeah. like I hate the, the, these the batters. They dig in. They stand on the plate, and then they get hit. They don't even make any effort to move. They act like yep. it's in the Constitution that you can stand as close as you want to the plate and never get hit. My thing right. is with the pitchers that, hey, if you get hit, you get something, you get a base. As long as the pitcher keeps it low, I don't care how many guys they hit. You know, you don't like it, back up a little bit, or at least try to get out of the way. You know, and it just like, I, I hate almost everything about baseball. I mean, uh, it, it just it, – it was it – was, Never a fast game it was a faster game, and it's just they're, they're turning it into some kind of like tiddlywinks or something. I don't know what the hell it's, it's turning into. I hear you, Jeff. Um, just tell me how you really feel, Jeff, about baseball. <laughs> it's, it's not even, it's barely even a sport anymore. It's like I think golf is probably more of a sport at this point, maybe bowling, you know. Just, baseball is just overdramatic snooze fest, you know. And then they wonder why fans keep getting hit because the fans are looking at the tablets or whatever the whole game. Can you blame them? That's true. All right, on 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 the uh, still on the uh, Major League Baseball note, we'll talk about the uh, the uh, go to the pitchers. Uh, we're going to the uh, National League, who a pitcher who went twenty two and six with an unprecedented and this is this is impressive. Uh, one point seven seven ERA. Um, I mean, he, he was, uh, in my opinion, a lock to win it uh, with a, like you said, twenty-two and six, and, and that ERA uh, well below two hundred, two, two, well below two. Um, Jake Arrieta from the Chicago Cubs, and then uh, uh, Dallas Keuchel um, from, and I would have to say a su- surprising. Um, um, Houston um, 
Astros team. Um, I guess people knew that they had a lot of talent, but uh, um, didn't think that they would be as talented and, and as um, competitive this year as they were, um, especially with their um, pitcher, uh, Dallas Keuchel being a, uh, a dominant pitcher in the um, American League. Uh, your thoughts, excuse me, your thoughts on Dallas Keuchel, Cy Young Award winner for the uh, American League, and uh, Jake Arrieta, um, Cy Young Award winner for the National League. You know, um, what, like I said, I don't, I don't watch a lot of baseball, but you know, they they do have a lot of good talent in the sport, and I think. Yeah. It became clear at the All Star Game because I think it was probably the youngest All Star Game ever. But the thing is, and this is the thing, you're dealing with you know human beings, not machines. Some of this good young talent does you know sometimes they'll have their ups and downs. You know, right. I mean, right. even great players, even great talent. I mean, uh, an example is this is a guy who had a very good career but didn't live up to expectations because he was so talented. Was Dwight Gooden. You know, right. I mean, in his early 20s, he's winning over 20 games, you know, had great stuff, I mean, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then he had a lot of ups and downs. I mean, he wasn't like uh, the late Mark the Bird Fidrich, not quite like that. You know, he still put together a respectable career. He finished off okay, you know, with the Yankees, threw a no-hitter, got a World Series ring, you know, but – you know, when you come into the league in your early 20s with that kind of stuff, anything short of the Hall of Fame is a disappointment, you know. And mm-hmm. it, it can happen. You know, there, there's injuries, there's off-the-field distractions, there's a lot of things. There's psychological uh, factors. There's, uh, you know, even just, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, they, they could figure you out. And unless you can make an adjustment or something, uh, you, you're not going to be who you were. And, uh you know, some guys also, once they get the big checks, can get real complacent. It blows my mind when baseball players, the money they make, when some of these cats show up uh, overweight for training camp, it's like, you got to be kidding me, you know. <laughs> uh, and and that, that, see, that's the difference between uh, baseball and basketball and football is football doesn't have the guaranteed contracts. And, you know, I mean, I don't begrudge football players the money they make, and part of it is because, you know, uh, it's really, you know, I mean, the closest thing they get to guarantee is the bonus money. So it's it's almost like it's not as big a deal as a guy being in a contract year because uh, almost anybody can get caught after a bad year, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes because of the cap, it might not be one year. But, uh, you know, it, it, I think it does change the sport a little bit. I mean, you know, a guy's a real star. It's not a big risk, but some guys, they get the big bucks and uh, forget it. It's, uh, you know, very complacent, whatever. And then in NBA, you know, it's it's a smaller roster, a ton of money. And, you know, with the max contracts, uh, you know, unless the coach kisses the star player's rear end, uh, there's a conflict, boom, they'll get rid of the coach before the player. I mean, uh, it's just uh, it's a very strange situation. Yep. All right, uh, let's talk about, and I really wanted to put this off last because it's a three and seven versus two and seven, uh, uh, excuse me, two and seven versus three and six, uh, Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
the bright idea, and, and, and I'm not disparaging the NFL Network or the NFL, but the Thursday night games um, are division matchups, which is supposed to make them more interesting. But when you have the Tennessee Titans, who are, like I said, 2-7, and seven, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are 3-6, and six, um, I don't know, other than fantasy football um, players, um, who actually are um, um, have uh, players in, in in these games um, are the only ones, in my opinion, that are going to watch watch a game like this. Uh, I know it's an NFL game. I know people love watching the NFL, regardless of uh, basically regardless of who's playing, as long as it's uh, professional football. But these two teams aren't the most ex- exciting teams, even though that Blake Bortles and the two Allens are a pretty exciting trio um, to watch in the passing game on Jacksonville, but hasn't equated to wins for either team. Five wins out of the two teams um, that are playing today. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Jeff? This game. Um, wow. So, now, I-, I think one of the reasons they go with divisional – games for the Thursday night game is because it's a short week and they don't have to game plan as much because they're familiar with the opponent. Mm-hmm. I, I think I have as much problem with the fact that Jacksonville and Tennessee are playing each other again in two weeks. I hate that. I think divisional games for the rematch, it should be at least four weeks apart. I hate playing a team and then two weeks later you play them again. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't like that at all. And I hate it in the NBA when they have back-to-backs. The NBA is cut down on back-to-back games, but still they'll have two teams play each other, I guess, within two days or whatever. I hate that. It's like I just saw those guys. I don't want to see them again. I think it stinks for the players and it stinks for the fans. Yeah. What do you think about the uh... – Well, I'm sorry. What do you call it in NBA? They call it a home-and-home. Home. Like if, you know, the Knicks play Miami and then two two days later they play them again, you know, usually right. like – I mean, I, I hate that. I, mm-hmm. I just I, – I don't get that at all. I mean, it, 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 it stinks for everybody. I don't see anything advantageous about it. They should start getting rid of those. I hear you. All right, real quick, we're going to – we're going to and I, I meant to cover this earlier, but I'm going to cover it right now, uh, real quick. Uh, what's your thoughts on um, the Rousey uh, uh, dem- demolition that was, that took place in Holly Home was the demolisher? What's your thoughts? You know, I, I don't follow the MMA too much, but you know, I think there were a few cynics about Rousey because, it, with all due respect, it's a new sport, MMA, and for women. And those, you know, all those one-minute bouts, who is she beating? You know what I'm saying? Like, in football, you know, NFL, you win NFL games, you got to be good. You know, there's a certain level of opposition. Well, even let's say you want, let's say something like boxing. Boxing isn't as good as it used to be. But right. if you're beating ranked opponents, you got to be good. You know, okay, maybe there's a little corruption in there, let's say, but. Let's let's just say it's on the up and up. You you, you beat up ten ranked opponents. You got to be good, but I don't think they've established a deep talent pool. So she could have been beaten up on a bunch of tomato cans. This could be her first real fight, and she got a butt kicked. And I think people were saying she needed a good fight. Yeah, but she didn't need a loss. 
you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, and you know, it just thought about it. I mean, I, I, I don't care for MMA. I used to like boxing. I lost interest in that. Um, mm-hmm. But also, even with the male MMA fighters, people have said that there's not a deep talent pool, and it, it might be a legitimate criticism. Um, uh, I, I just thought about. Even if it's two women rearrange, you're trying to rearrange each other's face. That just it's not kosher. I, I'm not I'm not digging it. You know. Hmm. All right. Well, we come to the end of the show, and I'm going to give you a chance to uh, your Jeff Jeff Jaws, um, and uh, your, your way to sound off before we get out of here. Talk well, to me. Just just want to wish you and the listeners and everybody happy Thanksgiving. I I don't think we're doing a show next week. Um, no, nope. I'm so, not sure uh, what you said that. No, we're not. But uh, if we were, give me a call. I'd, I'd try to give you a call. But uh, um, just want to wish everybody happy Thanksgiving and uh, enjoy uh, whatever you do on Thanksgiving and uh, the three football games. And uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, try to make a fantasy trade or two if uh, your league hasn't had the deadline yet. Okay, hey, Jeff. Uh, I want to wish you the same thing with uh, your uh, Thanksgiving. Um, enjoy the holiday. No, we're not going to have a show. It'll be a replay. Um, maybe a replay of this show or, or a replay in the past. Some, 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 maybe a deep flash in the past. Um, who knows? Um, but thanks for joining us, Jeff. Thanks for joining me tonight. Um, two weeks, which would be the, um, what would, would it be? It would be the, uh, 3rd of December is going to be the next show. Um, December already, unbelievable. Anyway, uh, enjoy your uh, the holiday. Enjoy the, the weekend with the games, and uh, we will talk to you uh, in two weeks. See ya. Yeah, Smith Encore, fantasy sports and politics crew. Yeah, check. Fantasy sports and politics. Ain't no other talk show hot as this. Cover every sport and we get it all right. Log on the site, you can listen tonight. Talk about the game, who in first place. You can even call up, state your own case. Football, b-ball, soccer too. Log on, ain't nobody stopping you. It's fantasy sports and politics crew.